In this episode of Madhouse, we speak to both Isaac, a filmmaker from Uganda, about his amazing story and work. Enjoy. Okay, so hi everyone. Uh, this is uh, the Madhouse podcast. Uh, I know there's like a weird noise if you can hear it. I don't, I can't hear it in my, but I guess if you can hear it, it's uh, what like, or both decided to set up an office near, well does, but we shall, we shall, we shall, we shall accept the noise. Sorry for it. If it's irritating any of you who's listening to this podcast, but uh, or both, welcome to Madhouse. Thank you, man. It's good to be here. Yeah. So I thought you could just, uh, we could start with the intros. Me, I can't know you, but for those who can don't know you, it would be nice for you to like introduce yourself, what you do, what you've been up to, that whole shabang things. All right, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah. Cool, cool. So my name is Isaac Oboth. I am the founder and CEO of a production company based here in Kampala, Uganda, okay. called Media 256. Uh, Media 256 was registered in 2008. The company okay. name was registered in 2008, okay. right after I finished my Essex. Uh, um, exams, and the company was officially incorporated on November 10th, 2010. Can see you uh, in the entrepreneurial spirit quite early. Just jumped right into yeah, it. Yeah, circumstances, man. It's life. It's life. You Some know. Some people <laughs> take a while to first figure it out. First get the day job. They realize the boss sucks, and then they're like, "Yo, let's just go and start something for ourselves." Uh, so uh, that's great. Uh, so can you tell us like how you? I mean, like the thing. There's so many questions I have. Take and your time, man. Yeah, and like I, 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 but like the thing is about finding out uh, how you sort of got into this kind of thing because like starting a business in S after just after six means there's a lot of of either hustle spirit or it like or it like it really like you you figured it out like as like as if you almost figured it out quite early and you're like this is what I want to do and like let's just go do it. So could you just kind of give us that like sort of like wh- how it started and how how it kind of came to be like it would be really nice to give people that sort of context yeah so first of all i did not figure it out i did not know that this is what i'd be doing you know uh 10 12 years later um the story of me registering the company name media 256 uh in 2008 goes back uh in the year 2006 so 2006 i was in a level at my career college school i was a very academic kid uh that's all i cared about that's all that mattered to me I came from a family that had a lot of challenges yeah. financially. Uh, I was being raised by my brother, who is only four years older than me. Um, so, you know, like, I, I, I had a lot of fire in my belly because I wanted things to be better. Yeah. But the only thing that made sense to me at the time was academics. Yeah. That was my way out. That's yeah. how I was going to make a better life for myself, for the people that I love, people that I care about. Oh, yeah. So that's all I focused on, man. That's yeah. all I did every day. All I did was read, studied, prepared for exams. And I was uh, I was good at it. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I figured out how to play that game. And you <laughs> know play that game. Yeah, because exams <laughs> are a game, you know, it's like a sport. You you learn the rules, you you know you know what you need to do and, yeah, and you do yeah. it, you're efficient at it, you know. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I was a smart kid, I just I really worked hard yeah. and uh, I learned how to pass exams. Yeah. All right. For those who want formula to pass exams, <laughs> a both side business. Well, ten, I mean, ten tricks to get to get <laughs> curriculum. A's curriculum has changed, you know. But but yeah, actually, I, and it's not something that I taught myself. Uh, yeah. What happened is, I, I actually originally was not a good kid in school, and I was doing quite badly. Yeah. And there was a kid. This dude taught me how to live, man. It's called Casibante Allen. If 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 he ever hears this, man, I I owe him a lot. Casibante Allen was. 
the guy that was always number one. Uh, this is from when I was, yeah, in class, <laughs> you know? Guy. Yeah, exactly, from, from S1, all right? Yeah. So S1, man, I flanked, S2, I flanked. S3, I was like, you know, this is enough. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a broke kid, I have nothing else, you know, in this world, but school. This is yeah. the only thing that, that, you know, is going to probably help me have a better life. So yeah. I talked to this kid called Casavante, and he, he showed me how, how he did it, you know, yeah. how he passed exams. Okay. You know, and his, his formula was quite simple. Uh, he would basically uh, get good old papers, see the questions that were, that were asked, yeah. and then find the answers to those questions and regurgitate them uh, all okay. day, every day. Uh, all day, every day. Oh, it never, the <laughs> questions never really changed. They've, exactly, just, they've just moved around, but to the same question. Precisely. Uh, okay. Precisely. So yeah. that was the formula. Here's a question. Here are the 10 answers. So the first thing you do, you read them twice. Then the third time, you try and write them down. You only get seven of them. You read them again. You try and write them down again. You get nine. All right. Then yeah. you read it again. Then you write it down again. And you get ten of them. Then it sticks. Yeah. So that funny that was story, it. Funny story. Funny story. That's weird. Like that mo model. Like when I started filmmaking, like earlier on, I couldn't have access to gear. So what I used to do is I used to watch like a YouTube video like 15 times and then like cram the menu, like write it down on a piece of paper. And by the time I held the camera, it was like I've ever, I'd owned the camera so much. But that that's but that, that technique actually really works. Yeah, you know, that's actually, exactly you know, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, to the point that you'd sit in an exam and you could see that list right yeah. in front of you, you know, yeah. it becomes I a thrill. So yeah. anyway, so I, 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 all I cared about was school. And um, on, on this one particular visiting day, my, my brother came to see me. Yeah. Um, actually, let me back up here. Yeah. So visiting day is, is is the most important day in in, in high school. Nothing else matters, yeah, you know. Especially in boarding, yeah. Exactly like in boarding school. And uh, the time that we were in school, there was only one visiting day at time. So once every three months, yeah. your parents came and checked on you. They made sure you're still alive. <laughs> you know, gave you some pocket money. Yeah. Gave you some some grab or snacks, as we call it. Yeah. So I remember this one particular visiting day. It was about 5:30 p.m. Golden hour. Sun was starting to set. You know, uh, the different families were having picnics on the lawns around the school. There was laughter. Yeah. It felt like happiness, yeah. you know. But I was panicking because my brother uh, hadn't come to see me yet. Yeah. You know? And I know, like, how, like, when they're going to close school and you're like, exactly. they visit me before they close exactly. school. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, like, at about 5.45, I see this guy walking up to the, to the school gate. And it's my brother. You know, I, I run up to him and I give him a huge bear hug. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, never do that to me again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were not showing up, yeah. you know? And yeah. he, I, I, by this point, you know, he was, he was uh, my only guardian. His that looked after me, paid my school fees, was yeah. everything, you know? Yeah. And Ivan looked at me and said, you know, Isaac, I lost my job. Yeah. Uh, I won't be able to pay your fees. I won't be able to give you any money for, for, you know, pocket money. I have nothing for you, man. I have no grab. Uh, yeah, if there's anything you can do to make money, do it. Yeah. It was a short conversation, lasted less than a minute, but it changed my life. Um, so yeah, Ivan walks off, you yeah. know, and I'm left there with nothing. And uh, I remember that night after prep, I was sitting on my bed, just yeah. staring at the ceiling, and my classmates were having a big party. You know, everyone is sharing all the food from VD. Yeah, know. you know, the chicken, the chapatis, the fish. You know, yeah. and I remember one of the guys uh, that, that was uh, on the double decker yeah. uh, below me yeah. uh, said, "You know, today we're dining like kings, but tomorrow we're going to be starving." <laughs> And that's yeah. when I got this light bulb moment, yeah. you know, my eureka moment. Um, yeah. I knew that I, I needed to create something that I could sell to all these starving kids after prep. And if I could make that thing, whatever it was, I could sell it yeah. to this audience, yeah. to, to, this, to this market and, and be a monopoly, essentially. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know what, that's what I need to do. So the next day, 
uh, right after morning prep, I ran straight to the food and nutrition laboratory, and I, yeah. I talked to the guy that ran it. Yeah. He was a lab assistant. Yeah. And I told him, man, I have this idea to make a snack that we can sell to all these starving kids every day after night prep. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, dude, that, 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 that's dope. you know. And I was like, yeah, man, so what, what, do you have any suggestions? And you know, he had a few different suggestions, but the one that end, ended up interesting both of us uh, was this thing called a rock band. Which, if I don't, have you had one? Have you had a no, rock band? No, I've never. I think I should visit Obot and he makes me a rock band. Cause <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a better filmmaker than I am a cook, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly <laughs> invite try. anyone to, to try my cooking. <laughs> you're, you're a rock band. Yeah, so... Are these like are they like the really hard like like band, like They're almost like mandazis, but like they're really yeah, hard. Yeah, so, so it's just, just imagine if, if a cookie and a muffin had a baby... Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that baby would be a rock band. Okay, okay. So it has a bit of like, so the hardness from a cookie. Exactly. And, like, it has sweetness. a thin, a thin hard crust on the outside, but it's very soft and moist on the inside. Ah, uh, okay. You know, uh, it, 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 it fills your tummy. Okay. It satisfies your soul. Yeah. It's uh, nutritious. It's, it's, it's moist. You don't even need a drink to have a rock band if it's made well. Okay. So it was a perfect snack. Ah, uh, yeah. You know? So he made me a rock band. He made me my first rock band. I tried it, and I was like, yes, this is what we need to make. Mm. So he wrote down a list of ingredients, all the things that we needed to make these rock bands. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I needed about uh, $85 uh, to, to, to buy these ingredients because, yeah. you know, high school kids are extremely price sensitive. Yeah. So the only way it would make sense uh, as a business is if I bought the ingredients in bulk. Yeah. Right, so I needed to go downtown and buy like a carton of flour. I needed to buy myself a bucket of margarine and all these things, you know, yeah, a tray sure. of eggs. Yeah. Uh, so that this guy could bake the rock bands and we could sell them at 200 shillings each. Yeah. That was the price at which we could make a profit. Okay. All right. So uh, this, this, this guy, the lab assistant, he didn't have any savings. He didn't have any money. You know, and, and even if he did, he told me he wouldn't risk it on high school kids. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, my brother had visited me the day before and told me he had lost his job. I had no money whatsoever. Yeah. So there's no trying to go that nah, route. Nah, but, but, but fortunately, I had at least 10 friends that were all visited the day before, and yeah. they were loaded. Yeah, so it was like... <laughs> yeah, so I borrowed about 10,000 shillings from, from each of them. Yeah. All right, and I had the money that I needed. I went to Chikubo. I bought myself a bucket of margarine, carton of flour, some sugar, eggs, milk. I went back to the food and nutrition laboratory, and my contact there began baking. You know, and, and that, was, that was... I remember that, that day quite vividly, actually. I... I was in prep, it was about 8.30 p.m., night yeah. prep, yeah. and this smell starts going through the classrooms, yeah. you know, and, and everyone was, you know, began murmuring, like, yo, what's that? What's that smell? <laughs> you know, it smells like heaven. Uh, and I was smiling to myself because I knew what was coming. Yeah. At the end of prep, I had this box of about 100 rock bands, and I, I walked to the front of my dormitory, yeah. and I was stampeded. I didn't even need to like make a pitch or sell, you know. <laughs> just then, just the guys arrived. Yeah, I sold yeah. out in, in less than five minutes. Nice. Uh, you know, three weeks later, I had a business that was working completely independently of me. I had a border border from downtown that would deliver the ingredients to the food and nutrition laboratory. The guy in the lab would bake the rock bands, and I was paying him for every hundred rock bands he baked. I was paying him three thousand shillings for every hundred rock bands he baked. And I had kids from the different dormitories pick up boxes of rock bands. We're making yeah. different flavors, you know. And making this is like this is what two thousand one. This is two thousand six. Okay, two thousand six. Okay, yeah, but yeah. Like, okay, I'm also seeing like I mean like you know how our currency tends yeah, to yeah. To, to, three thousand shillings meant a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> meant a bit more in like two thousand six oh, yeah. than now. Now it's just like what? Yeah. Yeah. So okay, that's cool. Yeah. So we're making different flavors: cinnamon, strawberry, vanilla. You know. Yeah. And my, my job at the end of the day was just to taste the rock bands, you know, for quality control, yeah, of course. Just uh, to make sure yeah. no one dies. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and collect money. Yeah. 
So it was, uh, you know, perfect little business. I took zero percent of my time. It made me money, great passive income, and I was able to pay my way through school. Uh, nice. So uh, I did that for about two years, and at, after my S six, so you I paid. So you, using this business, you were able to like save up money to pay for school fees yes. through A level. Yes. Oh, that's really yeah, dope. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, I was making this money on a weekly basis. Uh, okay. I was taking up none of my time. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So you could read, you could go to school, exactly. go to class. Exactly. And then yeah, that's cool. Um, so. Yeah, I had some money saved up, and mm. I was thinking about my legacy yeah. in school. And I, I, you know, although I was making money from rock bands, I didn't want to be remembered as a rock band guy. <laughs> you know? So um, it was almost prom, and yeah. I just remember seeing how excited everyone was. You know, uh, prom is all that mattered. You know, who was your date? What are you going to wear? Yeah. Nothing else mattered in the yeah. world. Um, yeah. So I got this idea to make an alumni album based on the day of prom. Yeah. You know, I thought it would be really cool. I had some money saved, and you know, I would, I'd much rather be remembered as a guy that helped you have all the memories of your time in high school. Yeah. So I, I wrote down the costs of making this alumni album, and I needed about $6,000 to make the kind of album I wanted to make. <laughs> now, I'd been making some money, but not that kind of money. Yeah. All right, I didn't have six grand. No, not even close, actually. Yeah. Uh, but when I looked at the costs even more closely, I realized that 80% of the costs of making the album were all related to print. Yeah. Well, that was binding it, doing color separation, whatnot. It was all yeah. print. Then I think then 2006, I don't think there's a lot of like really interesting tech in Kampala in terms of printing. No, no, like, no, no, yeah, no. You see, I, I just said color separation. Yeah, you know, we were still like, using like, plates. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was pretty old school. Um, and I didn't have the money. Yeah. But if, if we made this album digital, yeah. if we put it on a CD, yeah. then it was achievable. I could actually pull this thing off. Yeah. And it was even actually more exciting because I could add music, I could add basic text, yeah. some simple animation to help tell the story of the day of prom. Yeah. You know, so take everyone's pictures when they're all dressed up with their dates. Yeah. I, I talked to my classmates, they loved it, they, they were really excited by the idea, and they said they would buy it, you know. Cool. Uh, and I told them I could make it. I actually took a few pre-orders and I didn't even need to use my own savings to make it. But the challenge was I didn't have the skills to do this thing. All I had was an idea. So I talked to a guy downtown that used to shoot a lot of weddings, and he told me what I was asking for was a piece of cake. You know, he could do it in his sleep. It was a slideshow. Yeah. You know? So we shook hands. Um, day of prom came. Pictures were taken. I delivered the pictures to my contact downtown. Yeah. And two weeks later, he delivered 250 DVDs, branded and burned. Yeah. Brought them all the way to my, to my dormitory. I was so excited. I ran to the computer laboratory, put in that first DVD, and held my breath. And it was bad. <laughs> it was so, so bad. It was, it was pure rubbish. Uh, the, the, the music was wrong. Uh, some of the pictures were repeated. Some of them were actually sideways. You know, instead of being portrait or landscape, instead of being landscape or portrait. Uh, like those group photos, and they just come down like yeah. on the side and just like, yeah. what? Yeah. You know, I mean, I clearly hadn't thought it through. This was like a terrible first draft. Yeah. And I had 250 DVDs exactly like that one. <laughs> yeah. Banned and branded. Ready to go. Ready to go, man. And I was really concerned because I'd put, you know, some of my little savings into it, but also other people's money into this yeah. thing. I'd, I'd sold them heaven, and what I had was rubbish, honestly. Yeah. But the crazy thing is, when my classmates watched it, <laughs> they loved it. They wouldn't stop laughing, man. They, they, they loved, they loved everything about it. How absurd it was. They just, they just couldn't stop cracking up. They were excited to see themselves, and also this was the only thing that was going to remind them of their time in high school. Yeah. You know, so it had deep, deep sentimental value. Yeah. I actually sold out in about two days and ended up making what we call the deluxe version. We added a few more pictures, cleaned it up a bit, and sold that at a higher price. 
So going into my Essex vacation, I, I clearly saw that people were willing to pay a lot for something done poorly. So therefore, they would be willing to pay even more for something done well. Yeah. So that's where it was that curiosity to make money uh, that led me to register the company name, which yeah. cost about 100,000 shillings at the time, Media256. And I thought, you know, I'd have this idea of finding guys that could make good quality videos yeah. and, uh, and sell them. Yeah. What I didn't realize is that I'd end up falling in love with this thing. I looked around for guys in Kampala that were doing good work, people that came highly recommended, you know, they didn't want to see a high school kid, you know, yeah. I was just wasting their time. Yeah. Then the guys that I got access to were not great. You know, I, I saw a really big difference between what they were doing and the quality of work that was coming out from South Africa, you know, from India, from the US, from the UK. Yeah. And, you know, I just began asking myself, what does it take to make good quality videos? What, what are the guys in SA doing that we're not doing here? Yeah. So I went online yeah. and I just began Googling it, watching videos on YouTube. Uh, you know, seeing what software people are using, downloading the software, trying it out. Yeah. And, you know, at first, I was doing that for, like, 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Were uh, you doing, like, did you, in VAC, were you, like, staying at home or just yeah, chilling? Yeah, I was just at home watching tutorials, man. Uh, so, initially, it, it wasn't taking up a lot of my time. I just did it for, like, 30 minutes a day. Uh, my okay. brother had a computer. He had bought a computer, and that's what I was using. Okay. Um, but it's, like, the more I learned, the more I wanted to know. You know, three weeks in, I was spending 16 to 18 hours a day just watching tutorials, back to back to back to back, and downloading uh, music videos, trying to create my own narratives. I, I, I got obsessed, you know, and yeah. at the end of VAC, I really wanted to do something using the skills yeah, that I had acquired. Yeah, you're like, what's the point? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, no, this stuff, and not putting it to work. Exactly. Can be exactly. So I went back to my high school, and I talked to uh, the chairman of their prom committee, and I told him, you know, that DVD I made for my year, yeah. I can do one for you 10 times better at half the price. Yeah. That was an easy sell. We shook yeah. hands on it. And that was my first gig. I, I filmed that prom and I made them DVDs. And that was the first job that went on my portfolio. Oh, that's nice. uh, yeah. So through university, I continued filming and editing anything and everything, you know, from funerals to birthday parties to quandulas, whatever I could get. Yeah. And... Every job I did, someone recommended uh, me for another job. It yeah. grew organically. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so basically you grew a business around like word of mouth more than any other kind of web marketing a business, I would say, like in the early days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, first, I couldn't afford any other form of marketing. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm just, I mean, because sometimes I see a lot of like young creatives who start businesses and they're so frustrated about like, like, you know, I mean, they want to like, like they want to like be in the newspaper ad or they want to be uh, placed like underneath like a TV thing or some, or like be a sponsor for some event. And I'm like, man, just, just do a good job. Two people see it, you never know, but just, you get so Every like, job you do will lead you to more business. I remember in the beginning, and I, I, I recommend anyone that, that's getting started to do work for free. I know that, 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 yeah. uh, Pe yeah. People abuse that, yeah. but just make sure it's work that counts. Uh, yeah. I would I would go to the newspaper and look at guys that are advertising events. Yeah. Now only the big companies, companies that I wanted to be associated with. Yeah. You know, yeah. if Coca Cola was having an event, and this this actually happened, I filmed a Coca Cola event for free because I wanted to say that I do work for Coca Cola. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, and yeah. I made sure that my video was way better than the video that the guys that had been paid to do that job. Uh, were doing, yeah. you know, and after they watched the two videos side by side, who do you think they wanted to hire, you know, the going forward? Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, like when the guys at Pepsi see it, the video I've done for Coca-Cola, they don't know that I did it for free. Yeah, <laughs> you true. Know? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So as far as they're concerned, I'm good enough to be doing work for Coca-Cola, so I'm good yeah. enough to be doing work for Pepsi. Yeah. So just make sure that the free work that you do counts. But yeah, that's the way you're going to get the blue chip clients. Yeah. You have to offer them something they can't say no to. I 
understand. Yeah, true, that's true. Uh, so you're still telling me, so that so you did all that through university, like the whole yeah, film? Yeah, university like is when I, when I uh, did, I did a lot of work. I, I was uh, in Livingstone Hall, yeah. and I borrowed my brother's computer. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I was mostly editing. Yeah. I did a little bit of shooting, but not yeah. so much. Okay. Uh, mostly editing. So guys uh, from downtown would shoot weddings, and if they wanted to do like a really cool intro, because I was playing around with After Effects quite a lot, yeah. and I had uh, some plugins and a lot of stuff from Andrew Kramer and Video Copilot. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just, you know, it wasn't. And, and that was not that was not that was not the fancy Video Copilot of like now, right? Like, yeah. That was yeah. like the old like yeah. I remember his plugins are not. Yeah, but I mean, no, no one else was really doing that so that that's how I kind of made a name for myself yeah. and after a while of doing that I got a bit frustrated with having to edit videos that were not shot very well and I was like man if I taught myself how to edit I bet I can learn how to shoot, shoot. Yeah. so I began learning how to shoot and I fell in love with that just as much maybe even more and at, at, around the time that I was learning how to shoot yeah. the Canon 5D Mark II arrived. <laughs> had, had arrived that's you know, like 2008 yeah, so that's when it arrived, but when I got access to it, this was like 2011. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. 2011, uh, Patrick comes and grips, yeah. had just gotten one or two 5D Mark IIs, man, and I could not believe the quality that this camera made. I mean, it just looked so cinematic. Because before that, we were shooting on PD-150s. We were shooting on mini DV tapes. Yeah. Uh, the prom video I shot was actually on a high 8 tape. You know, so like oh, everything was in focus. And, like, yeah, yeah, and that's the capturing and stuff. So the 5D Mark II was, man, it was it was revolutionary. So I picked up a 5D Mark II and I began shooting, still reaching out to people and shooting for free. Yeah. You know, so when I shoot an event, uh, say a Coca-Cola event, and the guys that have been hired are shooting on their PD-150s <laughs> or Panasonic DVX cams, I'll, you know, show up with my 5D Mark II. Uh, run around like a madman, get on my bureau, do an interview with like the CEO or whatnot, and cut yeah. together this three to five minute video that told the story of the day that yeah. looked way better because you know it had depth of field. I would shoot it in a flat color profile, and then I would use you know my yeah. video video copilot skills to punch up the saturation and the contrast. So it looked completely different from anything else in the market, and yeah. that's how that's how I was able to to get work. Um, I did a job for the uh, East African Green Council. Yeah. They were having an event. Uh, at Munyonyo, same thing. Uh, I saw the advert in the paper. I talked to the guys organizing it. I said, hey, I'm coming through. I can come and film this thing. If you don't like the video, you don't pay me anything. If you like it, yeah. it won't cost you much. Yeah. I did that job. And one of the people that I interviewed at that event was a lady called Eleni Gabremadin. Yeah. Uh, and she was the CEO of the Ethiopian Commodities Exchange. Uh, okay. She gave what I thought was the best presentation at the event. So I was very keen to interview her for my little Caesar reel. Yeah. I interviewed her. I told her, you know, I'm a filmmaker from Uganda. And the other thing is because uh, I really didn't have much going on, I used to edit through the night. So yeah. every time I did one of these free gigs, yeah. I would go back to, to my uh, university dormitory, uh, university hall, Livingstone, yeah. Yeah. and edit through the night. The next day, I had the edit ready. And I sent it to her. Yeah. I sent it to, to the guys from the uh, East African Green Council. And she was really impressed, as, as were these, the guys from the Green Council. Uh, two weeks later... Dr. Elaine was having a really big conference in Ethiopia. Yeah. Um, she ran the Ethiopian Communities Exchange, and at the time, I think even still today, I mean, the, yeah. the things that they were doing on the uh, exchange hadn't been done anywhere else in Africa. Yeah. Was, this is a huge company. It's yeah. probably the largest employer in Ethiopia. Yeah. And they were doing, in terms of turnover, they're doing $20 million a day. 
in yes. grain. So there were huge. I didn't. I didn't realize how big of a deal she was. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you know. So she sends me an email. She's like, "Yo, that video you did was really nice. I want you to come and do something similar for my big conference uh, in two weeks. But before that, actually, I want you to come and make a short film about the work that we've done yeah. as the Ethiopian the Commodities Commodity. Exchange." Nice. So and she tells me, "You know, we don't have a lot of money. All I have is five thousand dollars for this job." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, like yikes. <laughs> what? I, I've, I'd never been paid in dollars. Let's start there. <laughs> All right. All right. Thousand, five thousand. That was more money than I could count. Yeah. So I tell her, okay, fine, you know what, I definitely want to come and do it. And I, I remember immediately going on Google and, and researching how to get to Ethiopia, how long the bus takes, you know, four hours. Then I read that it's not very safe, you know, from the northern border of Kenya getting. To... So I told her, you know what, I can come, but it's going to take me at least four days to get there. Yeah. I hope we can push the program back a bit. And she thought I was crazy. She's like, what do you mean bus? <laughs> we, we will fly you out, man. In fact, you want to come with like two guys to help you? <laughs> so she got us tickets. We, we went to Ethiopia. I met, that was my first proper documentary gig. Yeah, uh, I came back to Uganda, edited it again. I was I literally wasn't sleeping because that, that conference was in two weeks. So I went to Ethiopia, shot for about five days, came back, edited, had this uh, documentary ready, went back to Addis, filmed the actual event, did the same edit. And the money I got paid from that job, that $5,000, that's what I used to buy my first 5D Mark II. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah so that, that's really how we got, our, our, our got started at Media256. Nice. Um, yeah, and today I have 10 full-time employees. Uh, we are a mission-driven company. Our mission is to rewrite the story of Africa using digital video. So we produce uh, videos on five themes. Okay. African beauty, okay. African enterprise, African excellence, nice. African ingenuity, and African resilience. Okay. Uh, we do a lot of work for CNN International. Okay. So we do the Africa feature shows. We shoot and produce and edit uh, African voices inside Africa, marketplace Africa. Okay. Uh, me and my team have been to over 33 countries in Africa telling stories like this, you know, and That's it's really, really nice. satisfying because, yeah, yeah, they, they get broadcast around the world and people are getting to see that there's much more going on in Africa than just yeah, war, disease, Africa, and famine. Africa has kind of been ignored. Yeah. Uh, Gab has his sentiments about the, the documentation of the continent. Uh, but that's that's really dope. Like like I, we should just end the podcast here and like move on. But I mean, I'm also because this is Creative Asylum. We sort of like the whole 360 of creativity and the whole process. And and I'm very interested in like asking about like challenges. Okay. Because like a lot of times, especially like especially you know like we're from Kampala. There's a lot of like we Kampala. If you're from Kampala, fronting has always been like the, the name of the game. Like people look apart but like no one says like what's really going on behind the scenes like, yeah you know what i mean and like a guy walks in and you're like yo man there must be a lot going i mean that that guy must be having it okay you know what i mean but there's so much going on but for me i'm very interested in to, to kind of give people like a sort of like like a balanced picture because like i, I imagine like if some people listen to this they'll be like yeah isaac is like everything is awesome for isaac <laughs> you know what i mean and i'm like yeah. i feel like i mean building the business and growing it like what were the challenges sort of uh I mean, like ten employees. I get getting to ten must have been really tricky and 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 interesting. Yeah. I mean, and also like it means if you have ten employees, it means like the price point at which you have your clients, you get increases, and like you have to make some decisions that are a bit hard. And like I just want like a story or two, or like just a conversation of about, hard like, times, of hard times, hard and times. how and how you sort of like figured a way around those hard times as media two five six started growing and. Especially like, especially like after like the Addis job, like you know what I mean? Because like I know okay, after that, after like, doing the Addis job, yeah, like now you're trying to expand and like do more stuff. And yeah, one of the hardest things for me was finding talent, uh, finding guys that had skills, yeah, or people that wanted to learn and had the capacity to learn. Um, yeah. 
So I, I, I began teaching at Artfield. Uh, Artfield. Yeah, I, I was lecturing. There was a, there was a course, uh, Digital Vision Motion Graphics. Yeah. So I came up with a curriculum, and I would lecture three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for three hours each day. Yeah. And I had my best students. That's how I got my first employee, Fahad, still with us today. Uh, he was my best student in that class. Um, I got to know him yeah. uh, through the course. Uh, and I knew that me and him would work well together. Yeah. And uh, he came on as an intern. My second intern was Tito Winnie, who yeah. is now one of the big guys in advertising in Kampala. Yeah. Uh, he's working, he worked at Fireworks for a while. Yeah. Uh, and is now, he's now at Scanad, I believe. Um, okay. Yeah, so find, finding talent was tough, man. Yeah. But not only guys that are good, but guys that you can work well with. And yeah, that and was a slow process. Uh, it was a very slow process and it was very, very time consuming. Um, the one thing I like and I miss about teaching is that it kept me sharp. I had to play around with software much more because I'd have to prepare for the class. Um, I'd have to answer a lot of questions after. <laughs> yeah. So I miss that and I honestly wish I could free up more time to do that. Um, that was a challenge. I'm trying to think of if there are any specific oh, I have, hard I have stories. Another, I also have another question about, uh, this is something, of course, I've met a lot of creatives in businesses, and I don't know, some of them have called it the lonely syndrome. Like, you know how you're like, like trying to grow a business and it's more of a creative business, and it's kind of, now you've mentioned one thing of like, fail, hard finding, the, I mean, the creative talent and skill to sort of support whatever you're trying to do, but also the idea that, hey, like, you're the only, like, crazy person in the room saying, hey, I once had a visual effects company, and guys are like, what? You want to, like, rotoscope and, like, add monsters in scenes? Like, you get, like, unreplaced backgrounds, like, yeah. how is that? But, like, how did you also figure out how to deal with that sort of dyna the dynamic as you were sort of growing? If you've challenged, but it's just something of well, my interaction with sort of many creative people who run businesses. There's always that sort of thing of like, yo, man, it's really tricky in the beginning. It's like, no one is like, yeah. what the heck is that guy doing? Like, yeah. yeah and you know, so, so I, I'm fortunate because I was first a businessman before I was a, before I, I caught the creative bug. You know, yeah. I'd run my uh, rock band business. Yeah. And, and to this day, uh, I don't think I've ever run a business that, that was that good, uh, okay. that worked that independently of me. Yeah. So even as a creative, I, I was always asking myself, what does the market need? What does the market pay for? Yeah. You know, and, and of the things that they're willing to pay for, what will I find the most creatively satisfying? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's constantly having to ask myself that question. And, and like I told you, we are now a mission-driven organization. That wasn't always the case. Yeah. But that helped a lot. It, okay. helped, you know, it helped me answer that question uh, easily. The fact that our mission as an organization is to rewrite the story of Africa. Anything we do, Everything we touch yeah. must align with that. It has to be positive. It has to be showing Africa in a light that makes us as Africans proud. Yeah. Um, and that does two things. One, it means that we're going to go above and beyond in anything that we do because it matters more. Yeah. But it also means that organizations that have a, a similar vision will seek us out as their creative partners. Yeah. Yeah, so some of our clients, uh, and, and these are guys that give us repeat business. Uh, yeah. So like the African Leadership Academy, yeah. the African Leadership Network, the African Leadership University. Yeah. Uh, you know, even the stuff we do with CNN, it's still in, 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 the, it's in that same line. You know, it's about you yeah. know, rewriting the story of Africa. Yeah. But it's tough, man. It's tough to um, have to do the two things, to uh, try and push uh, the creative boundaries, but also run a business. Because running a business has its, has its, you know, it has its, its real challenges. You know, having yeah. to get your cash flow right, yeah. having to make sure that the bills are paid at the end of every month. True. Uh, you know, I have 10 full-time employees, um, and those those... Those salaries have to be paid, yes. whether guys have worked or not. <laughs> no, you know? Yes, yeah. Because yeah, so. yeah, true. 
Um, yeah, so um, you, you, it's 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 a it's a thin line, but you, you and you have to balance it, man. You have to do both. But I'd recommend any creative out there. You have to respond to the market conditions, man. Yeah. You know, you have to look at what does the market need, what does the market want, and how can I provide it better, either okay. better, faster, or cheaper. Okay. You know, so. Yeah, it's it's one of the three things. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You have to pick. Yeah, pick one, not all. Can't be. <laughs> pick two. At least two, yeah. yeah. You, you're either fast and expensive, or you're fast and cheap, or you're cheap and yeah. like it's it's, it's just <laughs> passable. Like, exactly. Yeah, like one of the options. But yeah, that's really cool. Uh, uh, then my other question is, I think that, that I'm talking to you. Yes, a lot of filmmakers, the gear problem. Yeah. Uh, I just the thing of how you solved it also as as, as when you started Media Two Five Six and how you figured it out, because I met a lot of young filmmakers, and they're always like, "Cub." How we? How am I going to afford a three thousand piece? Of, you get like a. Yeah, I mean, like even like lot, the entry DSLRs, the five Ds, the S seven Ss. You know what I mean? Lot, like yeah. it's a lot of money, and like, and like, and sometimes some of them are so like discouraged because like in other markets you can sort of buy the thing on credit or there's like a payments plan for buying the gear. Yeah. While here it's like you're in Kampala, you want the S seven Ss, you better have three thousand dollars. Yeah, in straight your up immediately. And, yeah. And buy it, and I wanted to find out like from as a filmmaker. How, how you sort of figured out, I mean, like, that this job got you the first gig, but, like, after yeah. that, you sort of had to buy more cameras yeah. and figure out ways to, 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 to do that. But I want to know how you sort of, first of all, the mindset you sort of had in terms of gear acquisition and you get, but also how you sort of navigated that sort of path, especially like in this market where if you have own gear, you sort of have to have yeah. the full amount up front. Yeah. You can't really... So first of all, no one will ever have enough gear, whoever you are. <laughs> it <laughs> doesn't matter who you are. That's true. The, the guy with a GoPro wants the 5D. The guy with the 5D wants the S7S. The guy with the S7S wants the red. The guy with the red wants the Alexa. Yeah. You know, the guy with the Alexa wants a set of cook lenses. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just never stops. You, yeah. you, there's so much gear in the world, and you can't get all of it. You'll never, ever be satisfied. The most important thing, number one most important thing for a filmmaker is your portfolio. It's doing work, doing work, do work and do good work. So rent stuff, borrow stuff, uh, get 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 like friends. Borrow stuff. Yeah, you Which know what I mean. Guy was coming, just like you're not using it. Let me take it. Exactly. Yeah, stuff. make make become friends and and earn the trust of people that own gear. Yeah. You know, and even the time I was using the 5D, I didn't own it, but some sometimes the guys that rent the equipment actually do better work than the guys that own the equipment. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's sure. possible. So. Yeah. And the trust of people that own, that own gear so that you can rent it either at really, really subsidized prices or even free. Yeah. If, if someone trusts you, that can happen. Yeah. And build a portfolio, do work. Once you do good work, you will get paid for it. Yeah. Because, you know, good stuff rises to the top. People will notice you. Yeah. Uh, if you're good and you're in the right place, the right people around, there's a bit of that as well. You have to be in the right place at the right time with the right skills. So you yeah. have to have been doing the work on, on yourself so that you can actually... If you're in a room with someone, you can actually pull out your phone and show them your portfolio, show them something. You have yeah. to have that ready to go, man. And then you'll get that job that allow you to buy your S7S Mark II <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that, that's what it's going to take, man. Just keep on building that portfolio and keep on doing work. The more work you do, the faster you're going to get the gear. You know? Yeah. And like I said, you know, you'll never have enough gear. So even, even for me right now, I, I really don't focus on gear. Yeah. My main focus is on creating more work. Yeah. Um, and for the bigger jobs we do right now, 
we're fortunate in Kampala right now that you can actually rent this equipment. Yeah, for like really cheap, which is weird. Like, yeah, yeah it's not that crazy expensive. Like, yeah, like I was yeah. shocked. Like Patrick, like the f the new Black Magic camera yeah. is like one fifty a day, and I was like, what? One fifty? Yeah, a like, day. Yeah, I, was like, I mean, oh, just that's really. Fair. And you can shoot raw. Yeah, and you know that I mean? camera. Exactly. And that camera is really good. Like, I was like, wow, exactly. that's really cool. Exactly. You know, it also dynamic range. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. So. Just keep keep on doing the work, man. Just yeah. Uh, that, that, that's so yeah. So that's the thing, because I mean, I meet mentally young filmmakers, and they're like, they're always like so fascinated about the gear. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, like, man, first just get to be on as many shoots, go and shoot as yes. much as possible. Yes. That's what you need to focus on. Like yes. the gear will come. Although with I'll, time. I'll say I'll say this one thing. After yeah. you've been doing that, there are also guys that do not buy anything. Right. Yeah. I, I, I recommend any filmmaker, anyone that's creative, to at least have one camera, one small camera that you can use. Because when you when you actually own the camera, the convenience is is crazy. Like you yeah. to be able to go out and shoot something when you want yeah. without having to first find that hundred K if you don't have it lying around. Yeah. That, that opens up a lot of possibilities. True, true. So, like, so get yourself, you know, whether it's it's the, the, the black magic cinema camera right now, or even if it's the, you know, like a Canon Rebel, whatever yeah. it is, but at least yeah. have something you can go out and shoot anything that you like. You know, yeah. also, also if you want to just go and do a time lapse of the old taxi park. Yeah. Have a little small camera, whether it's a GoPro, whatever it is, or yeah. even your phone. Yeah. The, the best camera you have, the best the best camera in the world is the camera that you have with you. True. So just make sure you have at least something that you can do at some point to 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 just get your creative juices flowing. That's really dope. I mean, I, I mean, now that you've you've aired it, I think now whoever's listening podcast should should be inspired to to just get to shooting and learning and all this fancy. I mean, I, I feel like I mean, like even just good old-fashioned learning how to tell a story should be figured out before you worry about yes about like yeah. SMS or, the, or whatever yes. you want to shoot on. Yes. Like so. Uh, my other last, I think this could be my, my last question, but it's more about like, like I think I have two more like conversations I really want to ask, um, but I think first one would be like, uh, where is Media T56 now going? Like, what is it up to and where is it going? Because we've seen you do a lot of other cool things and we're like, yo, this is really cool. Like, well, That's very Isaac, kind of you to say. What, what is Isaac up to? I mean, usually like I follow you so like on Vimeo and stuff and I'm like, yo, this is really cool. <laughs> oh, wait, Isaac is here now. Like, oh, wait, he's like, they've done this. Omid 56 has just done this. It's really interesting. Yeah. And just so I just want to understand like where, because I remember I used to know you guys for wedding films. Yeah. Yeah, we did that and, for a while. Eh? Yes. <laughs> and like having this really cool cinematic wedding film stuff and I was like, and then all of a sudden there was like this scene and stuff showing up and I was like, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Then there's that thing, that TV show you did to do. Discover Uganda. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then like, and then, like, it just went like so many places, and I was like, so I just want to find out like where, um, yeah. what you guys are up to, and like where you guys are going, and what right. you're trying to do. I know secretly there's some blogs I've read where you want to build Africa's first HBO, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is yeah. very interesting. But yeah, yeah. So when I started Media Two Five Six, and even the reason it was called Media Two Five Six was uh, to show the world and to show Ugandans as well that we are capable of doing good quality work. Yeah. So I called the company Media 256 because every time we did a project and it was good, I wanted the name Media 256 to be on that project. Yeah. 256 being Uganda's call code and guys yeah. would know yeah. this was from Uganda and these yeah. guys are capable of doing good work. Yeah. Uh, the more successful we got, uh, the more I traveled. Yeah. The more I traveled, the more I realized just how people look at us as Africans, <laughs> which honestly uh, needs a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, when I traveled, people, I can't tell you how many times people asked me if Idi Amin was still the president of Uganda. <laughs> or, said. you know, you asked me how bad the war was or how bad the famine was or just thought I couldn't read and write or thought I'd never played a PlayStation, whatever it was, man. Uh, there's a lot of discrimination that comes from being called African and I felt like 
given my passions and given my skills, I was uniquely positioned to help rewrite the story of Africa. True, that's nice. So speaking of the future of Media 256, that, yeah. that is really what we want to focus all our energy and time into. Yeah. Uh, three years ago, I incorporated an, uh, a new company called African Storytellers. Okay. And going forward, that's going to be the brand that we use. Okay, cool. Uh, African Storytellers uh, is going to be a company whose singular mission is to rewrite the story of Africa. Nice. Uh, we'll do that through producing documentaries, nice. like we've been doing, so like the stuff that we do with CNN. Okay. But uh, even more excitingly for us right now is we're getting into narrative filmmaking. Ah, cool. So scripts, actors, yeah. locations. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we hope that we'll distribute these around the world on platforms like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Yeah. Uh, and show the world, you know, these beautiful, beautiful stories of Africa. Yeah, uh, I mean, also made by Africans and like showing like, yeah. hey, like, I mean, like when I remember when like Lukman was telling me about like bad Mexican. Yes. And then I was like, yeah, this is really clever and really dope. And then it, I was like, but you know, so many people are not going to accept this as like African because even the title is like the bad Mexican. And it's like, no, it's a Ghanaian film. Like what? Like some people with like, like, like this, this man's creative asylum, we're going to break down his film. And like some people are like, but Mexicans, you get on film? I was like, yes, it is. They're like, I thought it was like, you're just going to screen some film from Mexico that some Mexicans made. And I was like, yeah. no, 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 guys, you'll be shocked how much awesomeness is within the country. And even Africa generally is just really cool stuff guys yeah. are up to. And you're like, yeah, yeah. that's from where, like, yeah, that's, yeah. And I, think, I think as African creators, we have a huge opportunity to contribute towards the way people perceive our continent. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a really good time to be a creative in Africa. Yeah, and, yeah, and especially, and yeah. yeah. especially with those, like, all the platforms that exist now. Exactly, like, exactly. With all these platforms scrambling around for content, you know, Apple is joining, putting its, putting a hat in. Yeah. You have Amazon, you have Hulu. I mean, these guys with really deep pockets. Even Facebook is making a play on content, you know? Yeah, and the freest of them, YouTube, the king of everything. Yes, on YouTube, yeah. you know? Yeah, like so the real value is going to be on who can create compelling content. Yeah. That's where the value is. Yeah. You know? And you you have the opportunity to, to create content, change what people think about, you know, yeah. uh, our beautiful content, but also make money doing it. Yes. You know, so it's it's a uh, you know it's it's a win-win-win <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, sure. uh, and I, I couldn't imagine being anyone else or anywhere else right now, but doing exactly what we're doing here. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, then my last question is it's usually a question I ask everyone who does the podcast, but it's usually a question about like uh, what life lesson do you think the listeners of this podcast should like like go away with in life? It doesn't have to be like a filmmaking lesson or something, yeah. but just like a life lesson that like like that, that they'll get out of like from you that you have learned that you yeah. think they should also add to their life? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest lesson for me in life has been that no condition is permanent. Yeah. However bad it is or however good it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing stays the same. Yeah. And the tougher the challenges that you go through, the tougher the moments that you go through, that's the stuff that actually builds you. That's the stuff that actually makes you, man. Yeah. So, you know, going through that moment in high school, not having school fees, my brother losing his job, yeah. uh, that was such a critical and pivotal moment for me. Um, if, if I hadn't gone through that, uh, I swear to you, Media 256 wouldn't exist. None, this podcast wouldn't be happening, man. You yeah, know, so you need, you need to embrace those challenges. And even, even when you start having a bit of success, yeah. it's important just as, as to be your own barometer and to recalibrate yourself and just remember those moments and remember why you're doing what you do and why it matters so much and just not to take it for granted, man. Yeah, um, not take it for granted. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I think that those are the few lessons of my life. I know some of them sound a bit cliche, but, you know, that the, that's my truth. And yeah, it's the truth, the truth, yeah. Yeah, I cool. hope that that will inspire someone else that's either going through a really tough time or someone that's going through a really great time to 
you know, know that that also won't be permanent, you know. Permanent, yeah. Exactly. And they should, you like, to be appreciate grateful. it for, exactly. grateful for what it's it Exactly, have, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. need to be really, really appreciative that they're doing what they love, that they have air in their lungs and food in their bellies and, yeah. you know. Yeah, because someone else is also going to the opposite. Precisely. Yeah, and then, yeah. It's, yeah. Thank you so much, Isaac. Yeah, man, dude, it's been yeah, a pleasure. This is, this is really dope. And this is the end of the podcast. Bye. Bye.